It is hard to believe, to be honest, that we're kind of at the end of our, our summer. It feels like we just started all of this just a couple weeks ago, and yet it's been about 12 weeks since I came up here for the first time this summer, encouraging you to press into what God is going to do in this place over the summer, to, to grow spiritually, and I am so thankful for the ways in which you have done that. It has been such a fun summer, and I'm excited today to talk about a topic that I think is really important for us, especially as we move into the fall, recognizing that God is at work in this place. And I'm excited about the opportunity after service today for you and I and all of us to connect together as a part of this fall kickoff. Um, it's a fun day. It is a fun day, and it's so good to see you here in this place. I'm excited that Pastor Pete is back. It's good to see you. Um, he has been chomping at the bit over the last couple weeks. He has missed you as well. I know by the number of texts and phone calls that I've received. So he has missed you. I have missed him, and I'm glad that he is back. But we are going to talk about something this morning that is really, really important. Because even in the midst of good times, which I believe we are in, that God has something wonderful in store for us, there are still obstacles and challenges that we have to face. Right? Even in the midst of good times, even when things are happening that are positive, there are challenges that we have to face. And here's what I know to be true. When God things are happening, there are especially challenges that we have to face. When God is at work, we know that there are things that the devil wants to do to prevent those God things from happening. We looked at this in, in Ephesians chapter 6 a few weeks ago, looking at the schemes of the devil, recognizing that there's this battle that is being waged and that there's this opposition and this trouble that we face. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Ray LaMontagne. He has this incredible song called Trouble. And the first verse goes like this. I'm not going to sing it like Pastor Pete. You're welcome. Uh, trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble been dogging my soul since the day I was born. Isn't that the truth? We live in this sinful world where there is trouble. And if we don't deal with the trouble that we face appropriately, appropriately really being key here, we will find ourselves both overwhelmed and ill-prepared for what it is that God has prepared for us. If you're like me, there are times when your office or your garage or your house or your yard or your car, they become disorganized. And there are things out of place my garage right now is a little disorganized. And I think we probably all can relate to this. At times, things are out of place. Things pile up on the floor or on our desk or on a chair. And I can handle this personally for a period of time. But something happens, sometimes very rapidly, where I just reach my breaking point and I can't handle the disorderly nature of my garage or my car or my desk and I have to put the clothes away, and I have to file the papers, and I have to put my tools back, and I have to shelve my books, and I have to put some vacuum lines on the carpet. I love vacuum lines. Anybody else love vacuum lines? Ah, oh, they're so good. The, the equivalent, the outdoor equivalent, is lawnmower, mowing lines. Such a good thing. So peaceful. It centers me. Sometimes I reach this breaking point where I have to put things back in their proper place, because things out of place for too long, it becomes heavy and it, inhi it inhibits my ability to do the things that I need to do, to properly focus or be attentive to whatever, whatever tasks are at hand. 
And to be honest, for me, sometimes it can even make it hard to rest. But when I put things away, when I put the clothes in the closet, or I put the books back on the shelf, or the tools back on the wall, or the things in their proper place, there is this mental and emotional freedom that allows me to engage on a higher level. There is this level of peace that is achieved. And subsequently, I am more effective in attending to the tasks that are before me. If I am really honest with you, I think that this isn't the only way in which I allow out-of-place things to impact my life. I think that there are other areas, other ways in which I allow things that are not in their place to impact the way in which I live. My ability to be at my best or my most productive or my most useful or most restful. And I would guess that this is probably true for you as well. I believe that far too often we allow fear and worry and anxiety and frustration and anger to clutter up our lives. And rather than placing these things in their, their proper place, their appropriate place, we try to work around them like I do in the garage. When the tools are out there and they're scattered around, I try and work around them because I don't want to deal with these things. And I think we have a tendency to do that with anger and worry and anxiety and stress. And it has this significant impact on our lives. When we don't put trouble where it belongs and we try to handle it on our own or work around it or ignore it, we're ill-prepared for the tasks before us. We rob ourselves of the opportunity to be fully used by God. We are entering into this new season of ministry. And as we talked about at the very, very beginning of this summer, I really do believe that the Spirit is on the move, that there is something exciting that God wants to do in and through us. And I think that if we are going to be most effective in pursuing those things that God has for us, we need to put trouble in the proper place. We know that sin abounds in the world In 1 Peter, where we're going to look today, we know that suffering is a certainty for those who follow Christ, and that the good and ultimately loving news of God is something that we need to cling to, and we need to turn our attention to if we are going to put the anxiety and the stress and the troubles that we face in our lives in their proper place. And so in 1 Peter, after kind of providing this warning about the trials that are to come, and After talking about the encouragement to live godly lives, there's this reminder for believers to cast their cares and their worries upon the Lord. And so I invite you this morning to turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. There's this calling to believers, and it starts with this incredibly challenging thing, and that is to pursue humility, 
Anyone struggle with humility? If you have your hands down and you were looking around at the people with their hands up thinking, oh, look at those people. They're struggling with humility. I'm, you need to put your hand up too because you're struggling with humility now. We all struggle with humility. Some of us more so than others. Some of it, it might be here and there. Others of us, it might be something that we deal with on a daily basis. But we all struggle with pride, with the lack of humility. And it's so foundational to our sinful downfall. What I think is really interesting, and I think it helps us understand where we fall in the grand scheme of things, is when we look at kind of the root word where human and humility come from. It's this word humus. It's this Latin word, and it speaks of soil, of dirt, of the earth. It's also this this gardening term that speaks to kind of the nutrient-rich material after things have decomposed. It's this earthy term. And when we think about that, we're reminded of the fact that God created us out of the dirt. We were not created out of something really beautiful to begin with. It's dirt. It's dirty. It's brown. It's But he took this stuff, this humus, he took it and he, he breathed life into it. The creator of all took humus, took this dirt, this soil, and he breathed life into it and he created you and I in his image. What an incredible thing. So when we start thinking too highly of ourselves, remember the fact that you were created out of dirt. Dirt. We were formed out of the soil of the earth by God. And it is only by the hand of God that we have life. To understand how we fit into the grand scheme of things, it is so important to understand our place. I love the imagery of God's mighty hand being used here. This imagery is used here because it reminds us of how powerful God is. But the imagery is really profound throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. The image of God's mighty hand is used to communicate God's power and saving grace and activity and work in the lives of the Israelites. He provided for them. He protected them. And this is the God who we are called to humble ourselves before. This is the God upon whom we are called to cast all of our worries and our anxieties. We are reminded that as believers, there is an appropriate place to cast our cares, and it is directly upon the Lord. The God who has the power to create life in his image out of the soil. The God who by his mighty hand preserved and protected the Israelites. This is a caring God. The God that we are to cast these cares upon is not a God that is disinterested. The God that we are to cast these cares upon is a caring and deeply loving God. Matthew 6 reminds us that God cares deeply about all of his creation. About the birds of the air and the flowers and the grass of the field. Jesus says that if if God cares so much about these things, that he's going to clothe these these things so beautifully and provide for them and protect them, how much more do you think that the God of all creation cares about and loves and is willing to protect and care for you? There's no need to worry. The problem that I often have is that when my life becomes cluttered with trouble, far too often I try to work around the troubles. It's fine. I can deal with it. It's not going to get in my way. I can handle it. It won't interfere with the things that that I'm trying to do. 
But in the same way that a cluttered desk prevents me from focusing well on my work or a messy garage prevents me from tackling the projects that I need to get done or even an unorganized room prevents me from sitting still and enjoying peace and quiet, so too do the troubles and the worries of my life interfere with my ability to lead well, to care for my family, to be a good friend, to act compassionately, to have patience, or even just sleep. Anyone have a hard time sleeping sometimes because of the troubles that are weighing on your mind? Yeah. It's fascinating to me that in the Greek, the word for anxiety actually speaks to this idea of being divided or being pulled in different directions. Because isn't that what happens? When we are anxious, our focus, our attention becomes split between real life and all of these things that we start running through in our minds. We start playing out all of these different scenarios that haven't even happened because we're worried about what might happen. And our attention and our focus is split. It's pulled in different directions. And so when the troubles of my life are not put in their right place, they prevent me from living and loving and serving and resting as God desires. And it's in this vulnerable state, I think, that we are an easy target for the schemes of the devil. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. We are to be alert and sober-minded. See, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. My mind immediately went to Daniel, thinking of Daniel in the lion's den. This lion circling around him, but he remained focused on God. His attention, his trust was focused squarely on God. Think of of Christian martyrs down through history who have been subjected to incredible torture but they remain steadfast to the Lord. There are a lot of things that can leave us unprepared for attacks. Stress, anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, they certainly are on that list. These troubles, I believe, dull our senses. They intoxicate us and leave us disoriented. We lose sight of what is reality, and we are in no position really to operate the heavy machinery of life, if you will. Our judgment is impaired. We become vulnerable to attack. If we are to be strong in the Lord, if we are to stand against the devil's schemes, as it says in Ephesians, if we are to resist him, standing firm in the faith, one of the things that we must do is bring our cares to the Lord and humbly allow him to carry them. And we do this through prayer. We do this through prayer. Prayer is a challenging thing for many of us because sometimes it feels like when we pray, nothing's happening. Like, well, I, f- I prayed. What's, what's going on? God, are you at work? Are you doing anything? Prayer is a discipline. Sometimes we don't like the word discipline because it sounds too serious. It sounds too, too regimented. And sometimes it is serious and it is regimented. But there is a significance to that the faithfulness, the the coming back to prayer or whatever the discipline is, it helps us to grow. It stretches us. It shows our dedication. And when we do that in prayer, we see God answer our prayers in ways oftentimes that are unexpected. And we hear from the Lord, and the Lord hears what's upon our hearts. And he wants to hear that. He wants to hear the cares and the troubles and the worries that you have. David writes in Psalm 55, 22, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. 
Anybody here have troubles? Anybody at home have troubles? Believers and non-believers alike have troubles. But as we've looked at over the last several weeks, there's this spiritual war that is being waged that believers must resist. This isn't just American believers. This passage talks about believers all over the world. When this passage was written to its audience, it was, it was written to them, but it was speaking to believers all around in the surrounding areas. There is persecution and suffering that believers face. When we think about the church, oftentimes we just think about the American church. But believe me, the church is so much bigger than what we know and what we experience here in Maple Valley or in Washington or in the United States. And scripture reminds us there, that there are believers all around the world that are facing trouble, that will undergo suffering And so as believers under attack, we need to consider how to address this trouble in our lives. Are we going to simply try to navigate around the trouble, pretending that they are not hindering us? Are we going to act as though they don't impact our relationships, our motivation, our sleep? Are we willing to be disciplined enough and intentional enough about growing in our faith and coming before the Lord, trusting God who created us out of the humus, out of the dust, and raised Jesus from the the grave, are we going to trust that God so that we can both remain steadfast against the devil and attentive and passionate and energized enough to be sent out on mission? At the end of this passage, we are reminded that those whom God has called, he will strengthen and restore. I love the image of something being restored. If you've ever had a piece of furniture, Matt Byers, I see you over there, an old car that you restored, there's something incredible about taking something that is broken down and rusty, water-stained, and restoring it to this beautiful condition. And here we are people that are broken down and water-stained and rusted. And God promises to restore us that we will walk through these troubles, but on the other side of those troubles, if we have humbled ourselves before the Lord, if we have trusted him with our lives, he will restore us. I love that. It says, that those whom God has called, he will strengthen and restore after we have endured the troubles of this life. This points to God's faithfulness. Even after the struggles and trials, God will remain present and the reward for humbly following Christ, putting our cares and worries on him, trusting in him, is to experience this beautiful restoration. You and I have, will, and are currently today experiencing troubles. Those troubles will continue to dog our souls, as Ray put it. And we are left to consider how we're going to navigate these troubles. Where will we put them? Will we leave them scattered about our lives? Will they be tripping hazards that cause us to stumble? Will we try to ignore them or try to work around them? Or will we put them in the appropriate place so that we can get back to the business of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? If we don't put them in the appropriate place, we can count on them continuing to sneak up and seep in and settle into the places where they don't belong. In my work, in my relationships, in my sleep, in my moments of quiet. And in these places, they do nothing but cause more trouble. They fester, they grow. 
But when we put them in their appropriate place, when we cast our cares on the Lord, we are promised a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's in this peace that we can do the things that God knows bring us life and allow us to bring life to others. And when we do this, we are more alert to the schemes of the devil and more steadfast in our ability to withstand them. And God promises, he promises that after enduring these troubles and suffering in this life, there is this beautiful restoration for those who humble themselves and follow after him. I really believe that this fall there are a lot of people in our community that need to know about the proper place to put their troubles. There are a lot of people in our community that need to know this this peace that passes all understanding. A lot of people in our community that God wants to restore. And I'm convinced that we will have a greater impact in bringing this good news to others if we ourselves put our troubles in their appropriate place, and that is in God. This is not an imposition on God, but this is an invitation by God. It is not an imposition to put your cares and your worries and your troubles on God. God says, bring them to me and let me carry them. So if you are feeling weighed down, if there are troubles scattered about your life that are causing you to trip and stumble, I encourage you in just a moment when we pray to take this opportunity to bring these things before the Lord, to take God up on his invitation. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you that out of the dust, out of the dirt, you created us in your image, that you created us to be in relationship with you. And that while we navigate the troubles of this life, Lord, you have not abandoned or forsaken us. But rather, you have extended an invitation to us, Lord, to bring those cares and troubles and worries to you. And you are strong enough, and you are mighty enough, and you are caring enough, and you are loving enough to carry all of those things. This morning, Lord, we take just a moment here in silence to bring to you to cast upon you the things that weigh heavily on us this morning, asking that you would take them, that you would lighten our load, that you would provide us with that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray for this fall. I believe that your spirit is at move in this place, in these people And I believe that there are people in our community that need to know who you are. That need to experience your love and your grace. That need you to take the weight of everything that they're carrying with them 
so that they can rest easy. Lord, may we be people strong enough in faith to put our trust in you, to put our cares upon you so that we have the focus and the attention and the energy and the motivation to go out and share your love with others. May the troubles of this world not hold us down. May we be people of kindness and compassion, not worry and stress. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for this fall kickoff and this opportunity to connect in community with other brothers and sisters. I thank you for this family of faith and what a blessing it is to be a part of it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.